man's not dead and still kicking around, you need to make it dead the best you can. Uh, there was a lady that got saved this morning, Linda Sloan. She was up here. Beth uh, brought her in. She's, she was her electrolysis lady, and uh, she came in, said she's Protestant. Uh, I got done with the morning service. I, I went around, and, and I came back up here, and I asked her. I just said, that, you know, Linda, if you die today, would you know if you'd go to heaven or not? She said, no, I wouldn't. She, I said, are you saved? She goes, nope. And I said, well, that's a really good place to start. I said, are you a sinner? She goes, yep. I said, well, what's your background? She goes, I was Protestant. So just because you're Protestant don't mean you're saved. Uh, and she, she bowed her head here. She said, I said, why don't you get saved? She goes, because I'm afraid to. And I'm like, why in the world would you be afraid? And, and she was afraid of what might have to happen afterwards and what kind of life you have to live. I said, that comes next. I mean, you, what you need to do is solve the problem. There's two op- options to go to, heaven or hell. And there is, you don't want the first one. Uh, you want the first one. You don't want the second one. Uh, hell is just not a place to end up. And she ended up trusting Jesus Christ, walked out with a smile on her face, which is good. I want to say this. Uh, Brother Mike gave me this, and I heard this the other day. Uh, uh, Pope Francis of the Catholic Church, Pope Francis has, ha, has criticized, Pope Francis criticized the law that uh, criminalizes homosexuality as unjust, saying God loves all his children, just as they are, and that's not true, uh, and are called, and are, and, and called on Catholic bishops to support the law that welcomes LGBTQ people into the church, and that is a mess. Uh, and the problem with the Catholic Church is the Catholic Church thinks that you get into the church and then you're covered because you're Catholic. That's not true. Uh, being homosexual isn't a crime. Well, it may not be a crime by the state. Uh, being a homosexual isn't a crime, Francis said during an uh, exclusive interview with the Associated Press. Francis acknowledged that Catholic bishops in some parts of the world support laws that criminalize homosexuality or discriminate against LGBTQ people. And he himself refers to the issue in terms of sin. Well, if it's sin, it's against God. If it's against God, it's wrong. Who cares what the government says? Uh, and there's where the whole problem is. And he goes on and talks about this, and, and he thinks the Catholic Church should let, let them into the church. And I tell you what, this is how you let them into the church. They repent of their sin, they get right, and then you watch them. And you have to really... That's a strange thing. We're in a, we're in a realm today where... Uh, the world is looking at sin as it's okay to sin, and as long as the government makes a rule or a law, then it's okay, and it's not. Uh, you got to look at this thing and say, I can do everything up to a point, and when it comes between God and the world, choose the Lord and do it every time. Andrew, I'll shut up let you have it. I hope I didn't mess up yours. I'll, I'll say this again. A girl got saved this morning, so in case I did say anything, it'll make you feel better. But that was a blessing. So one got saved in jail, one got saved here this morning. That was good. All right, if you could turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter number 17, Acts chapter number 17, we'll start uh, midway through the chapter, read a good chunk of it, and we'll get to preaching here in a little bit, Uh, probably sooner rather than later, I'd imagine, Uh, had a lot of good things happen today, a lot of good things that have happened in the last couple weeks, Uh, I remember a couple years ago, it was just a, you know, I'm we were all saved and everything still, and we all knew where we were going, but a couple years ago, it was just a little bit less exciting of a world to be in, right? I know many of us, we got short-term memory loss, so we forgot all the stuff we had to go through, or the stuff we heard other people having to go through, churches getting shut down all over the place, um, churches, many of them that are not even open now, uh, or meeting very limited, 
Um, but it, we've had some good stuff happen in the last couple months and year, really, of being here. We've had a lot of people get saved, a lot of people that have uh, gotten in, and a lot of people that have grown. I mean, raise, like, raise your hand if you've grown in church in the last year. All right, there you go. You ought to know. I mean, you ought to know, like, have I grown in the last year? That ought to be something you at least know. You ought to know if you've grown week to week. Um, but there, there's been some good stuff that's happened in church, and uh, this is the place to be. It's the place to be. Uh, you ain't going to get this stuff anywhere else. You're not going to get preaching any, good preaching anywhere else. You're not going to get good teaching anywhere else. Uh, this is where you grow and where you belong as a Christian. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and... Um, Read and we'll get started here. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 17, and we will start in verse, uh, we'll start in verse 13. So Paul right here, just the context, he uh, just went through Thessalonica. Uh, there were people that believed there, but uh, there was also people that vehemently opposed him. And as a result, there was uh, some type of agreement where he was he left and the people that uh, had believed were able to stay without really much incident, but there was a potential for him to uh, really be part of a major uprising uh, caused by the Jews there. So he ended up in Berea in verse 10, and uh, we find that they were more noble in verse 11, and uh, that many of them therefore believed in verse 12. So we end up in verse 13. But the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached to Paul at Berea. Uh, they came thither also. See, this is not stuff we really have to deal with a lot of yet. We don't have to deal with roving bands of people that are just constantly oppressing the church and they're constantly outside. I mean, we hear the, you know, the guy driving by with his rap music you know, once every three or four months. That's about all we really got to deal with. We don't have people you know, throwing glass through the windows and you know, screaming and holding torches and pitchforks and all that stuff on a regular basis to get this church to leave Dayton, Ohio altogether. You know? uh, it, it, what does it say here? But the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached to Paul uh, at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. Then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul, uh, his friends, brought him unto Athens. Uh, it's about 50 miles south of Thessalonica. So this has been a little bit of a journey here. And receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus, for to come unto him with all speed, they, that, that's the people that conducted him, departed. So they went back up towards Berea to go get them. Um, now, while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with devout persons and in the markets daily with them that met him. Uh, then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and Stoics encountered him, and some said, what will this babbler say? Others, some uh, he seemed to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Uh, and they took him and brought him to Areopagus, saying, "May we know what this new doctrine, or may we know this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there." spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. Um, let's see here. Uh, Brother John, neighbor, could you go ahead and pray for us today? Amen. 
Now, uh, as we go through this passage here, this is uh, another one of Paul's points on his missionary journey um, before he turns around and goes back to Jerusalem. Um, and here we find that he, he goes from having uh, Timotheus and Silas um, to really being by himself, you know, with another group of people, and then he ends up in Athens by himself. And uh, this is a good passage to just read if you find yourself uh, in America uh, by yourself. At some point, you know, we, we go through life and it seems like, you know, every once in a while you're just, if nothing else, for a couple hours, maybe a day or two or whatever, you end up by yourself. Or you end up in situations where you're, uh, you're at uh, Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever it is. And it's just like a microcosm of what uh, Paul had to go through where he was just, he wasn't in church, he, he wasn't surrounded by the brethren, he just ended up out in the world at a place called Athens, one of the wickedest cities on earth at this time. It, it says here that there was a collection uh, of, of idols, the city was not just partially given to idolatry. I mean, a lot of these things we just can't understand, we can't fully understand. Uh, there's no place you can go to see what it was like. Uh, we can, you know, we, there's things that we could, if we really sit there and stew on our current situation, we're, we find that we're, we're probably more given to idolatry in America these days than maybe even the Athenians, just in different ways. Uh, but there was, there was literally idols everywhere. It was said that there were more idols in Athens at the time than there were people. That's what was said. There was more uh, idols than people. And certainly in the United States, if you sat down to think about all the things that we could idolize, and, and I'm not just talking like bowing down worshiping, but just like the Athenians, you got that many idols, you're worshiping all kinds. Man. I mean, they're polytheistic. They didn't just worship one. It's like you go, they would go into a house of gods, and there were gods all over the place, and there was this god and that god, and there was this god, and he was over these gods, and then this god had this god, and they got together with this god over here, and they had more gods. And the, and the demigods, you know, half man, half God. And there were just all these different things that they worshipped on top of themselves. And Paul walks into this city. And it says that he was by himself. What does it say? Now, while Paul waited for them in Athens. So that, I get that. He was by himself. He was waiting for uh, the group that he sent back to... Silas and Timotheus, and he was waiting for Silas and Timotheus. So he didn't have the people that left, and he didn't have the people that were coming. It was just Paul. And this is how you'll find yourself, Christian. At some point in life, you will find yourself in a position like, how in the world, God, would you allow me to walk and be around this nonsense that I have to deal with? How in the world, uh, you know, we've heard, you know, think about the people I've been really stewing on this specific thing. You get to heaven and all the people that you got to deal with that went through really rough things in the Bible. You know, you think about, you know, the first three, Noah, Daniel, and Job. It's almost like they're just going to be there, like they're going to be their own separate little group. You know, the Noah, Daniel, and you get to just go up and maybe God will just like have them together and you can just, hey, how's it going? Hey, you know, and you're talking to Job and Noah kind of overhears that and you just kind of like really quickly talk to Noah and then get to Daniel and you're, you're through and that's it. And then you're just dealing with regular people again. <laughs> you know, I don't have to have any crazy, uh, you know, but then you run into the missionary that, you know, went across and gave his, whole, in a, you know, 40 or 50 years of his life and only had one convert, you know, he'll be the next guy. It's like, okay, well, you know, really in any age, there's going to be people that have to deal with uh, situations and I, I honestly think, I honestly think that 
It may surprise you what Noah, Daniel, and Job have to say to some of the people that come out of this day and age. Man, I'm really glad I did not have to live and endure all the nonsense you guys had to deal with on an hourly basis. I mean, I was just sitting there in dust and ashes, and it took me, it took a week before my idiot friend showed up. <laughs> if I lived in your day and age, it would have been seven minutes. Ding, 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 ding. And all the idiot friends. Hey, man, sorry, what what'd you do to, what do you do to get all that stuff piled on you, man? I mean, it... And then they, they're sharing everything, too, you know, so it's not just the, it's not just the three friends. It's 300 of uh, your friends that all pile on you one time. I think Noah, Daniel, and Job are going to have something good to say about you if you survive the onslaught of nonsense that we have to deal with, the idolatry that we have to deal with that we may not even realize is idolatry out of. And as we're walking through this life, just like Paul, and it's just like, you're walking through, and man, I was raised at the feet of Gamaliel. Uh, you know, I, I saw Jesus Christ. I got to spend three years out in the desert with him. You know, I, I got a, I'm a chief of sinners. I'll call myself that. I know what I am, but at the same time, I've been exposed to some really righteously good things over here, and this is nothing close to what I was exposed to hanging out with Jesus. I mean, this is like, you talk about light and darkness. I mean, I, you know, like the city that's set on a hill, like the light, as soon as you strike the match, like that's what I feel like. I feel like the, when I walked into this city, it was like the first time a match struck in a pitch black room with all the windows shut and not a star out because of the clouds. And Paul's in Athens and he's looking in, it's just, and he's just looking at somebody worshiping a god over here. And there's a coppersmith over there making another idol. And there's a, a god over here. And he looks up and every hill, every high place has got smoke and incense coming off of it. And it's just like everywhere, the, the greatest Christian that ever was going to live, that we, we consider, most of us do, at least I, I hope you're a top five. And he is every direction, 360 that he looks this city is wholly given unto idolatry. There's not, there's not a shred of not idolatry that he can find. There's not a single righteous thing that Paul could find. It kind of reminds me of a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, we often say that, just like what Dad said, I remember listening to a message about, uh, from Dr. Walker. This was, this was just like a Sunday school message back in 2020. I think it was November 2020. And he was talking about... Uh, how many churches, not just, not just the Catholics, we know they're off the rails, all right? We know they're off the rails. How many churches that are several steps closer between us and the Catholics? You know, like Presbyterians, you know, even some Calvinists, but, you know, but not like, you know, worshiping the Pope. I mean, there's a couple steps, a couple things they got right-er. They're not all the way there, but, but they got some things that are, that are more doctrinally sound than the Catholics, and they're trying to define, they don't even know what a woman is either. Well, you know, it says there's mar you know, marry, marrying and giving in marriage. So as long, you know, we're all spiritual beings. And so as long as you're spiritual and right with the Lord, you can identify as whatever, whatever you want. And then while we're at that level, you can go ahead and marry whatever you want because you can identify as whatever you want. And God's totally pleased with that. And as long as you stay with your same-sex partner uh, and you don't break that off, you're good. So as long as you get married to whoever you want, which could be same as you, and as long as you don't divorce that person. See, we're already, I mean, 
we're already given, a lot of the churches have already given to the idolatry that is their own pride and arrogancy and will. And that's really the thing right there. That's the idol. That's the big idol. Most of the idols that are smaller are the smallest idols next to the will. You know, you go into a house of idols and there's like Zeus there, but you got all the other little mosaics and the gods and all the other battle scenes and whatever. But Zeus is the big one, right? That's the will of man. I want to do whatever I want to do. Everything else be you know what. That's, that's the problem there. I want to be able to do whatever. You know why Alexander the coppersmith gave Paul so much evil? Did him so much evil? Is because Paul walked into his world where everything that Paul said cut off the money supply to what he was doing. So now we start to realize that it's not just idol worship. It's all the money. It's the love of money that was rooted it's the basis for the city of Athens. The basis for the city of Athens, right beneath the Acropolis there. You know, we've all seen pictures of the broken down Acropolis. Sitting there, you know, where the, the temple, there was the temple of Zeus there, and then there was the temple of Athena over here, and the temple of uh, uh, Demeter, I think, and then we got Mars Hill over here. You know, it's like, this is all due east. So when Paul's at the Areopagus, I mean, he's looking up there, and there's... When he's saying, you know, ain't worshipped with hands, he's pointing to their temples right there. All the wickedness that is going on in that place that he had walked through for who knows how many weeks because it says uh, both in this chapter, the previous chapter, the beginning of this chapter, and then the following chapter that Paul's custom was he walked in three weeks, he stayed with the Jews in the synagogues, right? First people he starts to deal with here, it says he starts disputing with the Jews. Where? In the synagogue. I don't know how long it was before the people that Paul had encountered encountered Paul. Because Paul was there, it says, point number one. We'll get back to the point here. The first point is that Paul's alone by himself. There is nobody to hold Paul accountable outside of himself and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is where most of us are going to run aground is we... There's some critical stuff in that verse right there. It says, and while he waited... And while Paul waited in verse 16 at Athens, you know, there'd be some of us that would enter into a situation like this, and we wouldn't, this is how it would read. I'll put myself in here to make everybody else feel good. And Andrew just sat there and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited until Timotheus and Silas showed up. And then he decided to do stuff. It says that while Paul waited, his spirit stirred. So Paul wasn't just sitting there on his hands like a lot of Christians do. Well, I'm just waiting for the Lord, waiting for the Lord. You better watch while you wait because you never know the thing you're waiting for may be several steps after other things that God wants you to do occur. And it's good to wait, but you're not just doing one single thing at a time, Christian. There's not a, you're not just doing a single thing at a time. You're doing, how many people in here got multiple things going on seemingly all the time? Amen. Amen. You ain't doing a single thing at a time. Here's the problem with me. This is how my brain works. It kind of works, I think, like my dad's. I have a zillion things going on in this brain. Maybe even a quadrillion. Maybe. It is hard... 
for me not to want to do everything at the same time. It's hard for me to prioritize. Very hard. I've been working on getting lists. and che- I got checklists for my kids. <laughs> Ain't got any checklists for me yet. I don't know if that'll even be a possibility. I figured maybe we just save the kids. Maybe God will get a hold of them and use them down the road. <laughs> and Andrew's saying, I was saying before, God, good job, buddy. You got the checklist done, and that was the basis for your kid's success. But I got a lot of things going on. And sometimes you got to deal with things that you think are going to be two years down the road and all these other things pile up. And it's like, well, that thing may never even happen. I, I don't know if Timotheus and Silas are ever going to get here. Shipping lanes are crazy. Ships wreck all the time. I've been shipwrecked a night and a day, been in the deep. Bands of robbers and perils of the... Paul knew it, well, the perils just didn't just apply to Paul. Perils applied to everybody he was with, especially the people that were with Paul. Here's the other thing. You get in a church like this, you start getting around a guy who's really getting used by God, you're in the same perils that he's in. What a privilege to be in church around somebody who is, who is making it his effort to try to get stirred up and watching and looking and just trying to find something to do. See, he ends up in a lot of Athens by himself while we're just out getting sent to do one. We're just getting sent to go get somebody to bring them back to him, and then you're just going off to do something else. That's all we're supposed to do for the most part. Just servants of the guy who's ultimately serving the Lord. I mean, you got the whole Christian walk right there in this story. And Paul finds himself here. He's just sitting there and something gives him an itch. And he's walking through the city. And he walks and he's in the north side of the city. And he's, he's going through the, the uh, Agora, the, the Roman Agora, the marketplace there. It says he was in the marketplace. That's where he usually went. He went to the synagogue. He talked to the Jews. And then he, he would end up in the marketplace. And he would talk to the Greeks and the devout people. And, you know, not just the Jews, but the devout people. All kinds of non-Jewish devout people who were devout about something. They, were, they firmly, fiercely believed that what they were doing, what they believed in was the right thing to do. And Paul would talk to them. I mean, he'd talk to anybody. Some of us would, it'd be good for you to just talk to somebody that you don't think will ever accept what you have to say. You'd be surprised how many devout people, I think of Apollos, he was a pretty, a pretty devout person. I think of this uh, person who gets saved at the end, the two people that get saved at the end, it says he was an Areopagite. Now, the Areopagus was effectively the seat of the government. Okay, so now he's he unsaid government. You know, he's going off. Yeah, you know, and really, I'm going to say something here. This may make somebody mad, but it's what you need to hear. Some of the dumbest things I've ever heard have come out of the mouths of conservatives who spend too much time worrying about their conservatism and less about their Christianity. I don't care if you're a conservative. Conservative does not save anybody. Your Christianity, God did not call you to be a conservative to the world. He called you to be a Christian to the world. Now, I may have some conservative principles. I understand that. But there be people that spend more time worrying about their conservatism, and I can't really tell if they're much of a Christian. You know, if the Lord Jesus Christ was to come back, you know who would nail him to the tree? If if we were to go back in time and it was the United States and he was... You know, the, the Jews in the United States of America, and, and you know, we bring them before, uh, I can't even remember the governor, governor's name. Who's the governor? What's our governor? Is he still the governor? And, and DeWine sitting there, put him in the place of Pontius Pilate, you know, all that other stuff. And there's a, a couple senators there. You know, it nail him to the cross, conservatives and the liberals. That's what, those are the two groups of people there, Herodians and the Jews. Jews were the conservatives. The, the Pharisees were the conservatives. You know who the, the Sadducees were? They were mixed in there with Herod. 
Both groups are nailed to the cross. You better watch out who you associate with in the political system of this world because the political system of this world is designed to entice you into thinking that they are cool with you being Christians and they are there to support you and that you're Christian. No, no, no. They're there to get votes. All they care about. That's all they care about. Okay, and I've done said that. If you, while I'm walking up the stairs, you can get up and leave. I won't be offended. <laughs> Promise. I was there. Took political science class at Wright State. Loved political science. Loved arguing. Loved all the doubtful disputation stuff that doesn't get anybody anywhere in life. It doesn't get anybody saved. And it doesn't help anybody. And at the end of the day, you know, I can't remember a single thing. I can't, I can't remember probably a tenth of the people that I supported in one way, shape, or form that I thought were going to be big deals and make major changes in the world. Most of those people aren't even around anymore. They're lobbyists on the other side of the equation. They weren't conservatives. They didn't care about conservatism. They cared about getting their career bigger and bigger and bigger, and they would, they would use, Christian, you'd be surprised, the wicked people that sit on conservative boards just for the sake of advancing their career. You'd be surprised how many wicked people sing in a lot of the music you listen to. There's a, uh, there's a Southern Baptist group that I, I remember. The lead singer is now singing in a rock band. It was a vehicle to get him and his career farther down the road. And a lot of Christians thought he was a really righteous guy. It was just a tool to him. You know how many Christian groups out there? You know how many Christian entities out there are literally just vehicles for people to advance their secular agendas and their careers? Most of them. Most. Wholly given to idolatry. You know what the idolatry is? My will, my career, my advancement, uh, me getting farther in life. I'll use you. I'll abuse you. I'll help whoever I got to help. Man, I'm in the business world. I watch people do that all the time. You know, they'll stand up and they got 30, 40 people and I helped all these people. Yeah, I understand. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, there's always that little bit of, I'm the one who did it though. I'm glad I got to help all my employees. See, that's why when God says there is none good, no, not one, I've said this in the jail a little bit. There's not, well, what about our, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags? You know, it's, it's a, it was a clean rag, yeah, until you put your motive and your incentives and your goals and the reasons you really actually did stuff. There's, there's always a little bit of that just tainting every good thing we try to do. There's just a little bit of it. So, so getting back to the, the, the theme here, Paul's walking through the city. He's walking through the marketplace. He sees all this stuff. He sees the coppersmiths. He sees the goldsmiths. He sees all the people that support all the industry, the money, that support the idols, the idolatry, which ultimately ends up being the fuel for the worship of the people of the city. The entire city of Athens was geared around worshiping false idols. Every nook and cranny that you went to, every, every person Every job, every career, everything was centered around the worship of false idols. But then we find later on in the chapter, what does it say? Well, well, that's not really the purpose, Andrew. It was just to, to, uh, to hear, to listen and to hear and uh, just learn all kinds of stuff. All right. So maybe that's an important thing to realize is that the education system is very, very closely, closely tied in the Bible to idolatry. The Bible says in verse... Verse 21, for all the Athenians 
and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. So when you read that the city was wholly given an idolatry in one place, and then you say, and then you read somewhere else that all of them only cared about hearing and to tell something new. New, new, new. Add an S to that word. You realize how many things you are driven by come from the news every day? That'll tell you what your idols are. You can find your football information. You can find your sports information in the news. You, some of you are, you are just really worked up about Ukraine, and you're just stoked and excited about the wars that's going on right there. That ain't something you're to be worried about. It's not something worth wasting your time on. It's not even affecting you right now. Maybe just a little bit, but it's not something you ought to be spending tons and tons of your time. Your Christian, the biggest idol for us is the wasting and the sacrifice of the most valuable resource we have, which is our time, on things that will never amount to a hill of beans. If I was to take an idol and put it up here and just, and just kneel down before it, you know what I'm doing? Number one is I'm submitting to it. Number two, I'm spending time in front of it. So what are you submitting to? What are you subjecting yourself to? What are you subjecting your eyes, your ears, your body, your, your mind, your family? All your, what, what are you subjecting that to? And what are you spending your time on for any length of time? Now, Paul, he spent maybe a couple seconds. Just, he was stuck there. I mean, just a couple seconds looking around here. But he wasn't sitting there going up to the thing in wasting his time in front of any one of those idols. He was doing whatever he could to get through whatever situation he had to get through and to just find the synagogue. I just need to find the synagogue. Hey, how's it going? What's your name? Where's the synagogue? Oh, it's right over there next to such and such idol shop. <laughs> Where's the marketplace? Oh, it's over there. Yeah, you just go right by that guy, the goldsmith. Yeah, he's the guy who makes the idols over here. And this, you know, like, I'm just trying to get to, I'm just trying to, get to you know, the marketplace so I can start my preaching. <laughs> He gets there, hey, you know, we got fruit on sale and we got idols to Demeter on sale, you know, and, and Paul's just in the mix, just, God, can you just send me some people my way? Like, can I just start encountering some people that I can preach to and teach to? Because this city's wholly given to idolatry, man. I would imagine if we were to take the Apostle Paul and interject him into the United States in just about any major city, it would read the same way that he walked through Dayton and saw the city just about wholly given to idolatry. And then he would add all kinds of extra stuff. And man, I mean, they had it posted on board billboards. They had it posted on the roadsides. I mean, the people in Athens, they didn't have access to some of this, the stuff these Daytonians had. I mean, I'm looking at everybody walking around on their, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even know what this was. He would just know that everybody, including the pastor's son, including the pastor's son, most of the people in this room, this is probably some kind of an idol. Sad thing is, is we'll hear about stuff like that and we won't do anything with it. I'm going to get home tonight and I'm going to, the Lord's going to run me through the ringer. You ever done that? You ever preached and you know that it's on your way home? He's going to say, all right, great, great, go. that was a good point. You got everybody paying attention, everybody smiling and laughing. You find, good job, that's a one out of ten that you would do that. Just remember who give you the voice and the ability to even talk in the first place. But let's talk about some of the things you said in there. How much time does your phone say you spend on it? 
well, you know, I just got to use it for work and I got to use it for this. Okay. I mean, I got to spend time in front of this God because it's the God of fertility and I want a kid. And, you know, it's it's the God of war and we're about to go to war and it's the God of, uh, you know, fertility for the fields. And we got to, okay, better be really careful. Better be really, really careful. Don't spend any more time than you got to. Don't spend any more. Why? Because it will suck your life away. Just suck it away. Even doing good things, suck it away. Better make sure that the things you use that phone for are things that are going to get you closer to God. I mean, I'm talking like putting your earbuds in and listening to preaching and stuff like that. You better balance it out because the things that Paul had to deal with and the tools that we have, the tools that the devil has been able to create and replicate through technology give him the ability to take an Athens, put it on steroids, and expose you to things by the minute that Paul was seeing by the hour and by the day. Like I said, Job's going to stand up. Before, we'll stand before Job. We will stand before Job, and he's going to say, man, the ungodliness you guys were exposed to second by second by second, and you could just see it on 20 screens, the things that I would, it would take me a year to see the ungodliness on that screen, and another year before I see, and you got, you just got the panorama of everything in the world, wicked going on all at once. How in the world did you deal with that? Better figure out how to do it. Better figure out how to do it, Christian. You better watch. While you wait for the Lord to come back, while you wait for whatever he has down the road, in the present evil world, in the city, in the day and age that we are in, you better watch. You better watch. And when the things that you see, you see the city wholly given to idolatry. I got a point here, my second page. Two reasons to watch. Number one, that you enter not into temptation because the spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. And believe me, just like Paul Uh, called himself the chiefest of sinners. He probably knew that if he would have not been very careful and watched the things that he did, that he could have found himself getting mixed in all kinds of the crazy things. But why? Didn't have any pressure from the brethren. They weren't there. It was just Paul. He knew his flesh. We know about Paul's flesh. Paul told us more about his flesh, and some of us are willing to tell our own selves about our own flesh. Things just ready to do something stupid, just at the drop of a hat. The flesh that's in me, I, I've got three years on the backside of the desert, all this time with Gamaliel. i got all these things up here that should just say, don't do this. And this thing's like, oh, what was that? A squirrel, you know, evil squirrel. I'm just going to do whatever. No, 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 no. i got to captivate it. i got to captivate it. i got to captivate it. I had a good uh, a missionary the other day. I got, to, got a chance to go out to him. It was just a good, good, just practical example. He's like, I'm reading my Bible, trying to read my Bible as much as I possibly can, an hour and a half, two hours, so I can get as much in as I possibly can. As much in, compress everything so I can get all these stories just starting to pop in my mind all the time. So I'm always just thinking about and, and the Old Testament stories. If the more I can just ram into me, pretty soon I'm running into the New Testament stories about the same thing. It's like, and I'm just sitting down trying to read and there's just this thought and that thought and this thought. And the, all these things just competing for my attention. He's, not, he's like, you know what I do? It's like I take that thought and I write it down on a piece of paper I got right next to my Bible. And it's captivated in a way. Even good things you think you need to do. I gotta feed the dog. Good. Goes on the piece of paper until I'm done reading the Bible. Get it out of my mind. Why? Because this is the important thing. The devil's just trying to get your attention in any way, shape, or form. Why? Because if he gets your attention, he gets you distracted. Like what is going on in Athens? Nothing but distractions. None of those idols were gonna do anything for anybody, but they were distracting the entire city. Well, I'm not distracted by uh, I'm not distracted by this kind of idol. I'm not distracted by the, the warring things. I'm not distracted by, uh, you know, the love and all the things that were going on in this sector. But man, 
enter, just regular entertainment. You know what's just south? So that you got the, uh, the, the Pantheon or the Parthenon there. And you know what's just south of that? And just, I believe, it's like southeast, southwest, two theaters. Everything in that city was all connected and tied together with entertainment and the worship of false gods. So Paul's sitting there at the Areopagus, Mars Hill, a little promontory that's just to the west of all that stuff that he had just spent probably three weeks going through, just taking it all in. After he had started talking to people in the marketplace, and I'm sure he just, it graded him. Stokes and the Epicureans run across, and it says that they encountered him. So you got Paul encounters a couple people. He goes out, he's like, man, I'm, I'm, while I'm waiting for Tim, uh, Timotheus and Silas, I'm going to go, like, this entire city is given to idolatry. I am going to do something about it if the Lord lets me. Paul's goal was never to reach the entire city. His goal was to reach the two people at the end of the city, at the end of this chapter. It's his entire goal. God, whoever you put me in front of, let me go through all the different things I have to go through, see all the garbage I have to see, endure it, get all the way to the end, if, if it be that maybe one or two people get saved. If you think of some of the quality and the caliber of messages that Paul preached, and only two people we hear, that were named. I mean, there's a couple other ones there, but I mean, you were talking the guy who got to talk to Jesus. You think about Jesus again, same thing with Jesus. This is why it's not, you know, it's good to read stuff like this because these people were dealing at the level. I mean, this is above Dr. Ruckman stuff. This is Paul. This is Paul. This is right underneath Jesus Christ, above Dr. Ruckman. Paul. And the people that he talked to at the level that he talked to, the conversations he had, I mean, he was called to the Jews, he was called to the Gentiles, he was called to kings. That's who Paul was called to, those different groups. And Paul gets done talking to all those people, you know what they do? Half of them spit him right out. This babbler. Babbler. You know how demeaning that must have been for a guy like Paul? All the stuff that he went through just to have some idiot philosopher, some dude on mushrooms. That's the guy. You know who that is? You know who the philosopher is? You know who the Epicurean is, a Stoic? That's Joe Rogan. You know who else that is? That is, oh, who's that, who's that Jewish guy? Ben Shapiro. Jordan Peterson. That's your group. You know who Paul was on top? You know, the, you know what the Areopagus was? It was the seat of the polit it was the political tip of the spear in Athens. They dragged him to that point to make fun of him. And he sat there and took every bit of it. Matter of fact, it says he convinced one guy to follow the Lord, an Areopagite, even in that mess where he was the center of attention, and for the most part they brought him there to laugh at him and make fun of him. The light that Paul had. And all the nonsense that was around him. There was one dude, one guy, and one lady, I believe, that were like, you know what? None of these gods have done, none of these idols have done anything for me. And Paul goes, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, in verse uh, 26 there, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord. And that song you sang, brother, that's Paul's testimony. I used to live a wicked life. I had no hope inside. I was lost in darkness. Then one night, 
Then one day, on a road to Damascus, after hearing what the preacher said, <laughs> gave my life to Jesus, and the old Paul is dead. And the man you all see before me may look a lot the same. I may look like the same old Paul here, but I'm doing this so that happily you might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of you. And the tears coming down that, that guy's eyes as they're laughing and making fun of him, thinking, if you guys don't, if you don't believe the things that just came out of my mouth, you were lost without hope. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. I've already seen it. I already know what, what's going to happen to you all if you don't believe and, and just wholly given to idolatry. And the spirit of that man was stirred up. And Christian, this is how we have to live today in Dayton, Ohio. That out there is wholly given to idolatry. And you have access to an infinite type of idols at your fingertips. And you may find yourself wholly given to idolatry for hours of your day. The idea is there ought to be something inside of you that gets stirred up when you see that. Even if it's within within your own self. I can see Paul, he probably had some of that start to grate on him, and that's when his spirit, hey, hey, you're, you're my child. Hey, this is not something you ought to be paying attention to. You're looking at that too long, Paul. Paul, hey, you're here to, you're here to wait. Okay, 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 okay. Time to get back to preaching. Time to get back to teaching. Time to get back to what I was here for. And you know what you're here for? You're here to get made fun of out there. You're here to go out and get laughed at. You're here to get neglected, mocked, abused, demeaned, so that less than 1% of them will accept anything you have to say. And then they'll get into church, and about 10% of the 1% will actually do anything. And 20% of those will stab you in the back. (laughs) But you'll get to heaven, and you'll run into Job. And you'll run into Paul. And I think they'll just be there, just like this. And they'll be able to pick you up because we'll all have the same mind. I mean, when, you know, Job will know when you're about to look at him, <laughs> he'll know when you're about to talk to him, you know. Hey, man, I, you did good in that situation. That was a rough situation for a Christian to be in in Dayton, Ohio. That was. Not as hard as what I had to go through physically, but spiritually. That was a tough thing to go through. Can you imagine? And then, and then behind all them, you see this bright light, and they just kind of step out of the way, and there's the Lord Jesus Christ there, and he says, well done, thou good faithful servant. In that moment right there, you're like, you did that. You did the right thing. You messed up over here. You messed up. Right there, you did good. You did exactly. You know what? Job couldn't have done a better job in that situation than you did. Because you followed the examples that I put in the Bible. You followed Paul's example. You, you got in that situation and the screws started to get put down and the Stokes and the Epicureans started to make fun of you and they started to say, just babble all this nonsense. And then they called you the babbler of all the people. The babblers are calling the, the person with the sense the babbler. And you just presented the gospel. You just laid it right in front of them. You just called nature and heaven and everything to witness and set death and life right before them. And, and everybody rejected you and you did exactly what... And they, at least they didn't nail you to the cross. <laughs> 
It's like it went ahead and nailed me to the cross. You know, but, but you got some, some light in there, and it was a couple months later, and you had one person get saved out of the jail. Another person gets saved in church. Well done. Well done. Hard situation, impossible situation, but while you were waiting on me to do something down the road, you went ahead and took some initiative in the present time, and you combated the idolatry around you, and you made an effort to push back against some of that, even in an impossible, as the devil would like to make you think. It's so impossible that you shouldn't even try. Why don't you just wait for reinforcements? You don't need to pray. You don't need to read your Bible. I mean, maybe you can do that a little bit, but you don't have to actually put any effort into trying to pushing back against the things you see in the world. The wickedness, not the government. I'm not saying to go out and, you know, start rioting at the Democratic National Convention or whatever or go, you know, pick it somewhere, but start pushing back against some of the evil. God, there's some wicked things that we keep hearing about. Can you help us resist that, please? Can you put me in a position? Can you put me in a position? And this gets back to training. You know, like, I don't know if I'd want God to put me in some of the positions Paul got put in because I know I'm an idiot. I got probably three or four years in the backside of the desert myself. I feel like I've been through maybe a month in the backside of the desert. (laughs) You know what that represents, right? Being all by yourself and being out in a hard environment, harsh conditions. You know, not three years. I ain't been there yet that long. But God, can you put me through the stuff that Paul had to go through on the back end? Help me to learn what I'm supposed to do. Help me not to mess up in my training over here so that way if you allow me to go in a position where i got to really go up against something that's like a really rough city and really rough people and, and everything that I've done back here is literally going to be enough to have a couple people get saved out of that. Lord, just help me to do everything I'm supposed to do right now so when I end up on that road to Athens, I've got the idea. I've heard about what Athens is like. I know what it's like. God, help me to be best prepared for what I have to do when I get there. Help me when I get there to do the routine duty, just like what Paul did every day. He walked into a city, synagogue. He had all the things he was supposed to do. Help me to develop that out, develop that those, those duties that I'm supposed to do. God, show me the things I'm supposed to do. Because someday I'm going to have to go into an area that is an impossible situation as a Christian, but there's a way to get through it and to do what you would have me to do. And God allow me to be a successful Christian in that environment. Uh, Just a little bit of teaching tonight, maybe a little bit of preaching missed in there. Uh, An encouragement from the Apostle Paul that in the craziest city he probably ever had to go through, there's ways to live by yourself as a Christian and do the right thing. And people will see that, they'll see your light, and they will accept the Lord based on what you did.